Well, let's um, stand for the reading of God's word before Paul comes and preaches. Lindsay and Scott Shard are going to lead us in a reading from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to hear those words again. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. There is not a more radical, more confrontational statement in the Bible. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Those words confront the very nature and very fabric of our being. We live in a culture that says if you work hard enough, if you do enough, if you know enough, then you can do anything. Every single day we strive after a lie that says on my own, I can do everything. And yet here is Jesus saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. This morning, as we continue our reenter series, we are confronted with those words. And this morning, I want you to honestly hear them and honestly assess the state of your own heart. Do you believe Jesus? When he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Does your life reflect those words that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing? Because what we're going to see together in John chapter 15 is that when Jesus calls us to abide in Christ, those words, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing, are not only a warning, but they are a promise and an invitation that we would find life and joy in abiding in Jesus Christ. The first way I want us to see this, 
I want you to know that we need to be pruned. We need to be pruned. I want you to look with me at John chapter 15, verse one. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, this is one of the seven I am statements in the gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here in John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Each statement is almost like a mini parable. An image that Jesus is giving us, not just to tell us what he is like, but to show us what he is like. And so what does Jesus want us to see when he says, I am the true vine? Well, not only is a vine a good metaphor, a good image for where we might find life, but what you need to know is the image of the vine is an important image in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the prophets spoke of Israel, the people of God, as a vine. I want you to listen to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 5, verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. So Isaiah is telling us that God has planted a vineyard. Not a physical vineyard, but he has planted his people, Israel, the people of God. They are his pleasant planting. But Isaiah continues. He says, and God looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. And for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And so this is what the prophet Isaiah is wanting us to understand. God has called his people to be like a vine. To bear fruit. Earlier in Isaiah chapter 5, we're told that this vineyard, this pleasant planting of the Lord, instead of bearing good fruit, it bore wild grapes. And so when God looked on his vineyard and wanted to see justice, instead he saw bloodshed. When he looked on his vineyard and wanted to see righteousness, instead he saw sin. That is the story of the people of God. What I want you to understand this morning, it's not only the story of Israel and the Old Testament, but it is our story too. As the church, as God's people, we are his vineyard, his pleasant planting. And when he looks on us and expects to see justice, what does he see? He sees hatred, bloodshed, injustice. When he looks on us, his pleasant planting, his vineyard, and he expects to see righteousness, what does he see? He says, people just like you and just like me, who break his commandments every single day, who war against his kingdom by setting ourselves up as little kings and queens of our own agendas, and we sin. We are his vineyard, and yet our vineyard is dying. Yet there's good news. Later, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 11, says that from the dead branches of this dying vineyard that produced wild grapes, from that stump, a green shoot shot up from the stump of Jesse. And his name is Jesus. 
So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's not just giving any kind of metaphor. He's saying, I am the true people of God. I am the vineyard that you could never be. I am the one whom God has sent to be the true vine. And you are just the branches. Because it's been proven that you cannot bear fruit on your own. And so I will be the vine for you. Except you need to know you need to be pruned. You need to be pruned because your branches are withering away. I want you to look at verse 2. Jesus continues. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But I want you to hear this. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. You need to hear that. That is judgment and that is a warning. Again, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. If you go on trying to live your own life completely apart from Jesus, Jesus is giving you a warning. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit will be taken away, but the branches that do bear fruit, the ones who are connected to the vine, they still need to be pruned. We, uh, last spring, planted a loquat tree. You know what a loquat is? It's a fun word to say, loquat. You can say it with me. It's, it's a tropical tree with evergreen leaves, kind of big ones like this, and it has these tiny uh, kind of orange, orangish yellow fruit, kind of like apricots. It's a citrus fruit. And we we're so excited about this loquat tree bearing fruit. Right? We we're so excited to see what a loquat tasted like. And so we planted it last spring. We were really watching the flowers, hoping that there would be bees, and there were bees. And so here are these bees, and they're pollinating. And we began to see what the beginning buds of fruit. And then God sent a once in a generation winter storm. <laughs> and a tree that its baseline is about 20 degrees, which is pretty good for a tropical tree, suddenly encountered zero degrees. But you know what? Our loquat tree is still alive. And we've been waiting. We've been watching. And now what you see is a mixture of branches with green leaves and then branches with brown leaves. And we're waiting. And we scratch the surface of the bark to see what's underneath. Is it brown or is there life underneath? Is there still green? And eventually later this summer, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to cut it back. We're going to have to prune the tree. If we don't, the whole thing will die and it will never bear fruit. If we do, two things are going to happen. One, it's going to look like a terrible tree. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's, the, it's in the front of our house. It's, it's going to be hideous. But eventually, those branches that have been pruned away will give life to new branches and new fruit. What I want you to understand and what Jesus wants us to understand is so it is with us as his people. We need to be pruned because every one of us has dead branches in our souls. Every one of us has tried to find life and false vines. And yet those things have given us no nutrients and no life. And we have dead branches and they need to be cut away. I wonder this morning, do you feel that? Do you feel as if parts of your soul are withering away? Do you feel the dead branches in your soul weighing you down? Jesus says, 
I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. He is the gardener and he's come to prune us. We have been through so much in this last year. So much pain, so much hardship. So many of us have lost people so close to us. We've experienced such disruption. And what I want you to know is I believe God has been pruning us. He uses the hard things in this world to prune us, to remove the parts of us that have died, the parts of us that have been attached to things that can never give life. And he's pruning us so that we could have fruit. If you don't believe me, I want you to just think of the cross. The worst thing that the world has ever known, the greatest horror, the greatest pain, the greatest hardship, Jesus Christ murdered on a cross for you and for me, and he used that so that we could bear fruit. All because he loves us. God, our great gardener, the vine dresser, is pruning us because he wants us to bear fruit. That's the second thing I want you to know. Not only do we need to be pruned, but we've been called to bear fruit. I want you to look again at verse two. This is what Jesus says. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. He says it this way in verse eight. Look with me. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And then later in John 15, verse 16, this is what he says. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying, I chose you. I appointed you. I have called you to bear fruit. What I want you to know is this calling has everything to do, not just with our identity as the church, but it has to do with who we are as human beings made in the image of God. Because the idea of bearing fruit goes all the way back to the beginning, in the earliest verses of Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 28, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God created the universe. He created everything by a word of his power. And then he created Adam and Eve as the crown jewel of his creation. Human beings, you and I, made in his image. And then where did he put them? He put them in a garden so they could bear fruit. He put them in a garden. He said, I have created you and I have appointed you to have dominion over all creation that you would be fruitful and multiply. And this theme of his people bearing fruit bears out throughout the Bible. All four Gospels mention the idea of the people of God called to bear fruit. Jesus put it this way in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus is saying that you have been called as his people, as the church, to bear fruit. And so the question for us this morning is, what does that look like? What does it look like to bear good fruit? The Apostle Paul, in the book of Galatians, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He describes the fruit of the Spirit this way. Galatians 5, verse 22. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, as the people of God, we were created in his image to bear these things out. That we would be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The problem is that image has been completely distorted by sin. And so rather than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, we are filled with hatred and chaos and calamity. We are impatient and unkind. We lack goodness and we are unfaithful. And so you see a list like this and there's three kinds of people. Three kinds of people. Some of you see this list and you, and you see it and immediately you feel condemnation. And you, and you look at all the different ways that if you look at this list, you're a failure. And, and you'll leave a sermon like this and you'll think, I just, I can never be good enough. There's another group of you that you see this list and you see a list of to-dos. <laughs> like, okay, well, I guess I just need to be more loving now. I just need to put a smile on my face and be more joyful. That's, that, that'll fix it. But you see, there's also a third group. A third group that, honestly, living in a, a Christian culture like ours, has, you've been lulled into a spiritual slumber, and you need to wake up. You see, because Calvin said that we are saved through faith alone, but the kind of faith that saves is never alone. The kind of faith that saves works in us and always produces fruit. Why? Because it's attached to the vine who is Jesus Christ. You and I, we have been called to bear fruit. Where are you seeing that in your life? Where are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life? But you see, I want you to know something. When Jesus says we are called to bear fruit, it's not just a command, it's a promise. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. So that's the third and final thing I want you to see. I want you to know that we must abide in Jesus. As a church, as his people, as his disciples, we must abide in Jesus. How do we bear fruit? Only if we abide in Jesus Christ. Look with me, verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Do you hear that? You can't do this on your own. Don't even try as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says the only way that you can bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples, my people is if you abide in me. What does that mean? The word abide simply means to live with, to lodge with. One of my favorite commentators put it this way, to make a home with. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to make a home with me. I want you to come and live with me. What is it like to make a home with someone? It's to rest with them, to live with them, to have deep fellowship with them. The call to abide in Jesus is an invitation to make your home with the Savior of the world. 
Jesus Christ, the one who is there when the world was spoken into being, the one who is there when the Red Sea was parted, the one who was there when he said it is finished, the one who is there when he rose from the dead, and the one who will be there when he returns is saying, come and live with me. Abide with me. Make your home with me. How do we do that? Well, in the season of our church, we have so many new things, a new building, right? A new energy, new excitement. But I want you to know that the way that we abide in Jesus is nothing new. It is not novel. It isn't some new program or new church ministry that we want to launch. You see, because Jesus has already given us everything we need to abide in him. He's given us ordinary practices, essential paths to following Jesus, things like his word. This is the very word of God. God speaking to us as his people. It is not a chore. It is not an item on a checklist to check off. It should not weigh us down, but it should lift us up. It is our food, and it is a way that we make our home with Jesus. He's given us prayer, an invitation to commune with the living God. You don't need a theology degree to pray. The God of the universe says, I, I want to speak with you. I want to hear from you. Tell me your needs, tell me your wants, and let me tell you and show you who I am. He's given us prayer, but more than any of these things, what I want you to see this morning is he has given us his son. Jesus has invited us to abide in him because Jesus abides in us as his people. Gospel of John begins this way, John chapter one. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus made his home with us. The savior of the world, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who's seated at the right hand of God took on our flesh. He became incarnate in order to make his home with us. And then Jesus Christ incarnate lived a sinless life because you and I sin every day in order to make a home with us. And then he died on the cross in your place for your sin in order to make a home with us, but he did not stay dead. On the third day, Jesus rose again in order that we could make a home with him. He's invited us to abide with him because this morning, if he is your Lord and Savior, he's already abiding in you. Jesus has called us to live with him. And so as we end, here's my question. Where are you abiding? Just as we are tempted to find life in so many false vines, you and I don't have an abiding problem. Our problem is in what we abide in. We make our home with so many other things every single day. And so where are you abiding? We abide in ourselves. We abide in success. We abide in comfort. 
We abide in how other people think of us. We abide in knowing or at least hoping in the future. We abide in sin. We even abide in good things. We abide in our families or the promise of a family. We abide in our spouse or the hope of a spouse. We abide in friendship. We abide in good gifts, but none of these things are Jesus. This morning, Jesus has given us an invitation as his people. Abide in me. Bear fruit in me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would now do this in us by your spirit because we cannot do it on our own. Forgive us for the way that we turn to so many other places to abide in and help us now by your spirit to abide in you and you alone. We pray now that we would walk and we would stand in the greatness of that promise that apart from you, we could do nothing. Stir in us as a church and make us your people, a people who abide in Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.